Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning, Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen to Gog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. And welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig, and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hi, chaps. Hi, How Dave. How are you doing? Hi, chaps. Not How bad. You did? Not bad. Um, so let's get straight in there. Don't start clicking your pen, Dave. You're holding your pen and you're getting ready to click it. This is a thing that you do. It's when you're full of nervous energy, you click your pen. Don't do it. Thank you. And take those flashbacks off. <laughs> flashbacks to high school, man. <laughs> Stop fidgeting. High school? What, in the Bronx? Um, no, I went to a high school. It was a three-tier system. Get off my fucking back. I didn't sort it out. It was, wow. Okay. Fine. Okay. Jesus, Fergus. Thinking of three-tiered systems, let's talk about football. We, um, <laughs> does that work? No. We played... We just won as a football club two games in a row for the first time in, I think, quite a long time. It's not a regular occurrence for Newcastle United. And it was so rare that it's broken the whole structure of football. And they've decided, they've decided to end football. <laughs> it's broken the space-time continuum. Um, so it's very rare that we start a podcast not talking about the most recent game or games. Um, but this week, I think we should start by talking about the Super League. I'm imagining everyone uh, listening to this already knows the basics of it. Uh, 12 clubs so far, of big brand clubs from Europe, have clubbed together to say that they're starting this league. Six of them are English teams. And I think the fundamental thing that everyone sort of unanimously, it seems, is annoyed about is the fact that they are, uh, that they can't be relegated. So it's, it takes away the competitiveness of football. That seems to be what's annoyed everyone particularly. Um, mm. Paul, have you got some thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, sort of the same as everyone. It, 
it's baffling. I don't understand just the timing of the announcement. All of it seems bizarre. And it's it's clearly a decision that's been made by the club's owners rather than anyone below them at club level. And it's, I mean, we all know football is largely all about the money these days anyway. And the idea of like the brand is sort of secondary. The fans aren't really considered anymore, but I don't think any of us expected this. The certainty of their announcement of like, we're forming this league and we're doing it and here's, here's what's happening. I don't know. It's a weird mixture of greed and arrogance and deafness as well. Hmm. But it's when, like, when it was announced, like, I've got a few few mates who support other clubs like Arsenal, Spurs, West Ham, Chelsea, Man City, Man U. And to a man, they were all, they're all fundamentally against it, not just because... Um, because like you say, there's, there's a lack of competition. But, you know, some of them were saying, look, in addition to being a, a Man U fan, he's a, he's a, I don't know, like an Altrincham fan or in addition, like, and it's it's everyone down the, the pyramid is going to suffer because the, these so-called elite teams are, um, are, are going, the, the money that they're already receiving isn't enough. And the the threat of them not making money on the by being in the Champions League is too big of a risk, so they just want to pull the drawbridge up behind them. And the thing that gets me is like the only reason that these teams are considered elite is because of the competitions that they've taken place in that they're now wanting to break away from. Like to be clear, it's it's not replacing the Premier League. It's a breakaway European league, so they won't play in the Champions League or the Europa. They'll be off in their own little poxy, like Super League, as they call it, uh, playing midweek fixtures against the same fifteen to twenty teams when it's you know when it's all up and running. Um, and they think that the idea behind it is these owners think that oh well, loads of people watch these games, so let's just have these games. Well. That's going to get boring. Like nobody wants the, the reason people watch Liverpool versus AC Milan in the Champions League is because it's a rarity and there's a big cup at the end of it that has pre- prestige. They're not going to care about Arsenal versus I don't know Atletico Madrid if both of those teams are only ever going to finish seventh in this. Dara, Dara, Dara O'Brien today described it as eight months of the Emirates Cup. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a description of it. Um, yeah, so sorry, I forgot what I was going to say, Paul. You, I mentioned you've got more things to say. I'll come in in a minute. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, I mean, come on, <laughs> it's hard come to on. know what else to say apart from I kind of hope they just get chucked out of the league. I yeah. hope I, it's I'm encouraged in a way by the sort of unanimous ire that is headed their way. It's everyone is so pissed off by it. It's a unanimous it's, hatred normally only reserved for paedophiles. <laughs> it's that level, right? It's that I mean I mean Michael Jackson gets a lot more support. <laughs> yeah, <it's> true. <laughs> not, he'll always have defenders coming out for him. There's none of them for this. But the, what I don't get really is people keep on saying, well, they only compare about the money. They only care about the money. And this is just, they see uh, football fans. They don't care about the fans. They're just consumers and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, uh, they're, they're making, it's a gamble on their part as well, because if you, you are potentially ruining the product yeah, football, like is, football hasn't always been this like football is a global game and has always been popular for, for at least the last hundred years but it hasn't been this huge brand for all this time it hasn't been this huge money-making machine and it's a money-making machine it's become this because it's been a really good product it's really entertaining the last couple of years of VAR and the like ever expansion of these um, competitions, and now with COVID, which isn't the fault of football, but like 
football for the last year or two, and not just as a Newcastle fan, it's been pretty shit anyway. Mm. And if you start make turning it into this competition, which isn't really a competition, and it will, whether they throw those teams out of the Premier League or not, if it is to happen, then there's a good chance it'll effectively ruin the Premier League or at least change it mm. permanently because mm. there's top four is no longer... Most of the teams in the Premier League won't be fighting for anything. I think what annoys me the it, most, I can understand the Spanish teams and the Italian teams doing it for the money because they're so far more in debt than any Premier League teams. But the well, Premier the League team, as well. I mean, you say that the is not making it enough. Barcelona are, the reason it's sort of happening is Barcelona are in so much debt, they're in real trouble. Sorry, go on, Paul. But I think I c- there's no need for the Premier League teams to do this. The fact there's six Premier League teams tells you the reason why the Premier League's successful because the TV money is split evenly or fairly evenly between all the teams, which is why it's so much more competitive, which is why they're sort of the crown jewels of any breakaway league. And to just have this thing where the the income from a competition is guaranteed for a select few teams, you just end up with a different version of the Spanish league or the Portuguese league or the SPL, where it's just, it becomes less and it becomes more predictable every game. Football in a, a moment in time and said, okay, we'll keep it there. Because it, you know, yeah, okay, Man United yeah. and Liverpool are huge brands. But the fact that Spurs are in there, I mean, 20 years ago, we would have probably, if it was six clubs from Premier League, we would have probably been in that. Maybe Leeds might have been in that 20 years ago. I mean, the, the reason that like Arsenal and Spurs are going for it is because Arsenal and Spurs at the moment are in debt. Spurs are still trying to pay off their their stadium, so they're going for it for the money. And also, the, the by by the nature of how competitive the Premier League is, they're not in the Champions League this season. They're not going to be in it next season. Like it is likely that that's the same te- reason teams like Leicester and Everton. That's the same yeah. reason that they're all going for it. But they're two teams that like patently don't even deserve to be in it. Yeah. Just... And Man City, Man City apparently were the last of the six clubs to sign up to it. And the reason that they were the last of the six is because they were pretty confident that we don't need it and we think it's bad for it. But then when they see these other five teams going for it, they're like, well, hang on a second. We're not going to let them have a, you know, a three billion, well, it's going to be like 500 million a season boost from from this ESL will be left behind so I don't know I I think in terms of what punishment could be meted out upon them if it goes ahead it could be that they they kick them out of the Premier League I don't think they'll do that because that's that'll be damaging the Premier League's brand you know without these clubs it's not as an attractive um, uh, as an attractive product. I think the best thing that they can do is ban the players. For, if, if you take part in this ESL, you cannot take part in the domestic cups. You can't take part in a World Cup. You can't take part in the Europas. You're not allowed to. That's you know that it's it's either or. I don't know if it's going to happen. But I, I think, think everything I think should. should be too, but just to, I think. Almost everyone is against it. Almost every organisation is against it. Many of those organisations are like, you know, it's not like we're suddenly, we just, at this moment in time, we happen to be on the same side as FIFA and UEFA. We wouldn't normally be in a lot of instances. But fine, we are. I think we should, everyone should be doing everything they can to make it a failure. I think it was the 70s that there was something in... um, Cricket, they had Kerry Packer had in Australia yeah. had this big cricket league where like, if you played in that you weren't allowed to play international cricket. Well, it's like rugby at the minute. If you if you play outside England, you're not allowed to play for England. It does yeah. does happen in other sports. I'm not sure playing international football would deter enough people to not do it anyway. But I think what, I don't know. what worries me is the short-sightedness about, like this, if we do switch to that kind of American franchise system, the fans who think they're getting a good deal out of it if their club's suddenly in this elite competition. Like you look at Spurs, 
there'd be no reason and nothing on the track record of sort of these types of owners to suddenly 10 years time, it's the Edinburgh Hotspurs because there's too many teams mm. in London. Like it's yeah. just going to be the beginning of that sort of system. I don't know, but I, I think, I think that the, the reaction to it has been so extreme and unanimous. I think it's going to be really hard for them. I mean, I, I, would, have, I, would, have liked see, I would, would like to see some martyrs come out. I would like to see someone like Klopp resign. Yeah. I mean, like, funny, funny you should mention that before, because they're playing Leeds and Liverpool uh, Leeds tonight um, as we record. And before the game kicked off, he said something like um, that his opinion hasn't changed because he's previously come out against it. And it's very difficult. And he likes the meritocracy, the meritocratic nature of, of English football. And he wants stories where Leicester can win the league. So he's not... I watched his interview. It was a bit... It was a bit on the fence. I saw it as well, yeah. Well, he's, he's got to be careful because, you know, he's still employed by the club. So he can't, you know, have his resignation. I, I wouldn't I mean, be surprised if at the end of the season he, he said, you know what, I've... I've won the title with Liverpool. I've done okay. Right, I'm off for a new project. And he, I would not be surprised because Klopp is a man of, of principle. I wouldn't and blame the players. But no, it's not, it's got managers, nothing to do with them. Managers, certainly people like Klopp, who already have their, like, have made an incredible amount of money mm. and have, like, their legacies in the game. I would like to see them not taint it by... Yeah. Anyone joint being involved in that at that level, I think, is sort of is tainting themselves. I, Klopp's whole brand of being sort of the fans' manager type of thing and saying what's on his mind and being kind of rock and roll football—you can't, you can't not speak out if that's your sort of persona. I'd like him to go further. I think he probably will as well. I imagine there'll be a few managers threatening to resign. Yeah, or Boris has come out against it just just by pure, you know, it's obviously the political politically smart thing to do. So yeah. he's come out against it. The um, Prince William has come out against it. I do think those things matter when it, when yeah. it's so unanimous. It, I think it makes it harder for them. Well, yeah, because it's it's not just him coming out with a with a. Um, with a, a soundbite, he, he's saying like that there's rules in place in the Premier League to stop it happening, and there are, and also that the UK government will look to do whatever they can to stop it happening. Now that might just be you know rhetoric, but it does it does show like if he's willing to use those terms, it does show ultimately, that ultimately I think it'll be up to the fans, and there are billions of fans, so it's hard to like to to come up with any kind of like there, there will well, be well there's different types of fans yeah. now have you seen there's legacy is it legacy fans yeah yeah, yeah. referring to yeah. Who are the ones who actually go oh. to the games but <laughs> I would like to see on a much smaller scale earlier on there was this season there was that thing where sports had pay mm. on games and fans were unanimous in, enough in that to make that just not work financially. I think I'd like to see it to be socially and uh, awkward to subscribe to whatever service screens it. You know, like, yeah. I think as I well think the ger- the conscious the the conscience of the German clubs who always seem so far mm. ahead on this kind of stuff is a saving grace. You, I don't think you can legitimately have sort of European Super League. There's no Bayern and Dortmund in it. It just well, this it's is already undermining thing. the concept. You've, you've got six English clubs, you've got three Spanish and three Italians, but you have no Dutch, no German, no French, no Portuguese, no Greeks, Turks, any of them. So it's not European Super League yeah. at all. And when you, I mean, PSG is an odd one because I think part of the reason that they're against it is because of the the relationship through their owners that they have with Qatar and therefore be in and it's a whole broadcasting thing. So I'm not sure about why they've why they've rejected it. But like you say, the Germans, it is that's not what football's about. The they the German clubs 
are the model for me of how a club should be run. Mm. Well, we'll see. I think that's we're not we have the luxury of not being um, uh, of not being fans one of the big sub clubs six clubs are not having to make the decision but it does seem like all fans seem to be against it if it was sorry I was just going to say one thing I did want to mention is that um, I before I'd seen what what happened I I was convinced that this kind of league would be exactly the type of thing that Mike Ashley would be fully on board with but he's come out and said that he doesn't want any part of it or the club have come out and said that they don't want any part of it well, I know. I can invite him. That's because we're invited. nowhere near it. If we were, he would 100% be desperate to get in there. Yes. Um, 100%. It, it could be. Well, and then the. Um, Same Mike Ashley, the, who always says he wants the best thing for the fans, and that's why he'll only sell to certain yeah. people and is still that's, rinsing the club and asset stripping it. Come on. He would be, he would be knocking on the door harder than Daniel Levy, desperate yeah, to get perhaps, in. Yeah. Um, but also that uh, I know, sorry, Fergus, but the the Saudi link it's it's still rumbled on, and Caduceus come out and said that they don't think it's right. Like money's important, but they would totally blah, blah, blah. be going for it. As but well. both of those things, yeah. neither of those things are like, well, we're for hangings and uh, fictions, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sorry, this, uh, <laughs> this it's all right to murder a journalist. But we have to have a laugh. I never said anything about the Saudis. I was talking about the, you know, Stavely's partner. But so, those, anyway, those sound bites were a bit like me saying, I will absolutely be faithful regardless of which Hollywood A-list actresses try and tempt <laughs> me. It's a moral situation I'm never going to be put into, so it's very easy to say. Well, you say that, but I've arranged something, Paul. You'll get a knock on the door later tonight. It's Tom Dame Cruise. Judy Dench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see that Ian Holloway? Um, the <laughs> fucking guy. He said, "What? What was it, Paul? It was like it was like an is... insult to Prince Philip." <laughs> I got a text from a friend who was listening to it. And said he was worried it was going to be an on-air heart attack. <laughs> he was so worked up. Well, earlier on this year, I think he he blamed. Um, Bar or the offside rule on um, the EU, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but anyway, but yeah. So um, we'll leave that there. I mean, you've heard everyone else talk about it, but it seemed it seemed odd not to um, address that first. But now that we've sorted that out, let's have a quick break, and then we will talk about the two football matches which we, the mighty Magpies, won. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, thinking about setting up a... European super natter, uh, breaking away from you two losers. Ooh. Do it. Do it, mate. <laughs> Seriously, I cannot wait to get this behemoth off my back. I mean, we are, in um, effect, a European super pod in that no matter how badly we perform, we're still allowed in every week afterwards. And I think the results <laughs> show how dangerous that can be. <laughs> sure. True. So, um, Speaking of unprofessionalism and blah 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 blah, I can't. Re- we've won two games um, against two teams that play in maroon and blue, Burnley and West Ham. 
Burnley game, I don't remember it that well. I remember that St. Maximin came on and sort of saved it for us. Hmm. But was do we remember that as a pretty good performance? I think it was. I know we went 1-0 down. But I think it's, it's, well, it's, that right? As has been the case for so often, so so many times, it was a really, really bad half and then a really, well, then a pretty good half and it, it just doesn't seem like we can play well for 90 minutes because the first half against Burnley, we were standoffish because it came came on the back of that, that Spurs draw and we played well in the Spurs draw and we were excited and we thought, like, if we take that into the game against Burnley, we've got a chance of winning. But the first half, we were... We were tepid. We were just really not not up to the up to speed. And they came out and they were all all over us. Like Vidra had the the freedom of the pitch, and um, he ended up. You know, he he, he scored the goal that um, took them in at halftime one nil. And then, like you say, some Maxwell came on. But from what I remember, actually, yeah, the first half Burnley had the better of it, but I wasn't particularly worried, Paul. Where did you watch this game from? And from my memory, the last three games, you've watched them all from like different locations. I have no... Oh, I'm in a car or on the tube or... That was where I'm in a barbecue. Yes. No, I I wasn't just watching it in a car. I was watching it during a car breakdown. (laughs) We were driving and our tyre light went, so we had to get off the motorway and go to Quick Fit. And I was watching it under that scenario. So I think I missed most of the game. I was wondering why I couldn't remember much of it. It's because I was on the outskirts of Bister <laughs> getting a tyre changed and dragging a child and a dog to McDonald's to get lunch while it was hailing because we had to wait an hour for the car. Wow. Yeah. I don't... I, I seem to successfully manage to like persuade my family to do nothing with their... Uh, with their lives while I watch Newcastle United. I'm managing to watch these games in full. My child is getting absolutely no life experiences, but, you know, I'm watching well, I've watched games. a lot of games this season in full that have been terrible. As soon as we pick up form, suddenly we've got a social calendar and stuff to do. It's true. So, so yes, I mean, the, the story of the game is essentially, of the Burnley match, is that... Um, we weren't great first half. We can have a debate about how not great we were, but, you know, we weren't setting the world alight. And then St. Maximin came on and uh, won it for us. Um, he Murphy got a goal from a Richie cross, right? No, M- Murphy's goal came because basically St. Maximin was, was introduced and pretty much the first time he got onto the ball drove into the box. The Burnley players were just backing off and just didn't know how to deal with them. They doubled up on him. He pulled the ball back for Murphy and Murphy right. leathered it. And That's right. And I, then, think, go on. I was just going to say, like Murphy started the last three games, as has Richie, and we've just looked so much better, so much better than we did previously. Richie's crossing has been so much better than I remember it. I think when he's played as an out-and-out winger... There's too much emphasis on him to beat a man. Whereas I think as a wing back, he just gets that much more space to put balls in. He can put a really good cross in. I don't think we've seen that a mm. lot from him. But then St. Maximum's second goal against Burnley was um was Ben Arthur esque. I mean, he ran the yeah. length of the pitch and uh put it away. It was I was very, very excited by that goal. And and then although he didn't score, I would say that St. Maxman won us the game against West Ham as well. I'm not sure I can remember us ever having a player who is so much better than the rest of our squad at his best. David Edgar? That's not, <laughs> that's not me slagging off the rest of our squad. I, I just didn't... I don't think we've ever had a player who we are so... You know, if he's coming on from the bench, it's like there's always the thought that he could win it for us. And um, yeah. I genuinely think the last time, last time we had a player like that was Shearer. And I know that Shearer played in some great sides. He really did. But then there were some other sides that he was, he, he was the only decent footballer on the pitch. Like, sure, but Shearer didn't 
from my memory, he didn't really take games by the scruff of their neck and win them himself. I don't know. Was... Shearer was Shearer was probably our only world class player in the Premier League era. I would say. Hmm. And sure, I also I'm think not saying we... that Maxman's a better player than Shearer. No, I'm no, no. Oh no, no, no. No, I'm agreeing with you in that when when St. Maxman's on the pitch for us right now, we have a threat and we look good and it's him that lifts us. Um, and I would say the last time was Shearer. And to put him even in the same conversation as Shearer is heaping high praise on St. Maxman. I think when, when he came on against Burnley, they were shit scared of him and were backing off and backing off and backing off. And West Ham had no idea how to handle him in the first half. They were tried kicking lumps out of him. They tried doubling up on him. But again, time and again, he, he, they were just backing off from him because because he's that good. I desperately want him to like someone to give him Ryan Giggs's yoga teacher's phone number <laughs> so that he can like stay fit and play ninety minutes for us regularly. Well, I do he wonder able, how the last two games he won the he won the Burnley game for us by coming on for the last half hour or whatever it was. He won the West. Ham game for us in the first 60 minutes. I know we managed because he was off after 60 minutes and I know we managed to uh, nearly um, fail to win that game against West Ham. But sorry, go on, Paul. I said, I wonder how different our season would have been if he hadn't got long COVID. Because even when he was back after COVID, he wasn't right for ages. Mm. I think, I think in a way, Bruce's tactical or lack of tactical acumen is benefiting him as well because it's like play wherever you want you can go anywhere on the pitch I'll stick you up as a striker you're our best player just do what you want I don't think he'd have that freedom under a lot of better managers I think he's sort of oddly it's not just fitness either I do think he is a little bit inconsistent and sort of needs something to play for and something to prove so yeah but he's that type of player he's not like Ben Arthur where it would be hot and cold one week or the next you didn't know what you were going to get by and large when he's been fully fit he's been sort of 70% of the time very good and and it's maybe I'm being harsh but it's I can't think of many tricky wingers who take it as a personal affront that their team isn't doing better you know you know what I mean they they tend to be more I want to look good whereas St Maximum like when he came on against Burnley he was like livid, he just wanted he wanted the ball all the time, and he was going to make it happen himself. Like you say, grab a game by the scruff of the neck, and against West Ham, Jesus, he was on it from the off. I think we said it in the the WhatsApp group that he took it as a personal affront that it was still nil nil after. I think he's improved. I think he's improving as a player in the way in the decisions that he makes. Yeah. there was. Uh, some games he sort of reminded me, I'm not comparing him with him in terms of where he's going to go in the game or talent or whatever, but sometimes he reminded me of young Cristiano Ronaldo in that sort of like just taking on a lot of players, but it not necessarily amounting to much. Yeah, a bit of a YouTube all the time. at times. Yeah, mm. but like he he's making a lot of good decisions at the moment. He takes on players when... There's value in that, and he also, you know, spreads the play and plays passes when he needs to. He's a very good footballer. Yeah, I'm, I think there's a general feeling of what are you doing here? <laughs> you could, you should be at Barcelona. Or You're really good. What are you doing? But we, um, we did. Uh, the first half was great. We have had for some reason. Everton and West Ham, we've had a, a really good season against. Um, so it's nice that neither of those clubs have been invited into the Super League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we did manage to... Um... Oh, yeah, but we should mention the first goal was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Where they got... Not only did they get a player sent off, but um, with quite a tame shot from St. Maximum, they conspired to backheel it into the net. I think he well, sort yeah, of brings it on people, though. He just runs at people to the point where their brains panic. They don't know what to do. 
It sort of reminds me a bit of, remember when Stoke was so dangerous from Rory Delap's throws that some teams would just panic and kick it out for a corner. It sort of has that effect on defenders where they forget what good footballing decisions are and go mad. But yeah, it was, it was because my stream froze just as like, just as he was getting into the box and it was it was like a minute later when the the commentators referenced it that I realised that they, they got a man sent off for the the foul on them. It was Joel Linton, wasn't it? Yeah. In the, in the centre. Joel Linton had a decent game in the first half. Game. He did have a good game. I think there was perfectly justified um, Gale being the player who lost his place rather than Joel Linton. He is offering something for us. You know, two goals in three games as well. I think yeah. he holds the ball better than, than Gale, and I think he he um, he's he's a more you know there's nothing Gale can do about it, but he's just a better physical presence. So so when it comes to second goal, it was his physical presence like putting off Fabianski. I think that that made Fabianski drop the ball at, at Joe Linton's foot. Maybe. I think as well. I know um, in the corner, but how many times have we seen Joe Linton in the box, let alone the six-yard box? Yeah. The fact we're playing a bit higher up means shows you how harsh it was on him at, at times earlier because he'd be up front on his own, isolated, with about 30 yards between him and anyone else. Whereas he is, mm. he's quite useful. I think that that's as far as I'll go with Joe Linton phrase. He's quite useful. <laughs> now, in general, there's been a lot of positivity in the last... We are, since Brighton, we are on a good run. We'd like yeah. Drew with Spurs, won two games, and... A big We've lost one in seven, I think. That's true, which is kind of mental. But in, when a player goes forward at the moment, there are other Newcastle players with them. <laughs> yeah. It's not like when they're not taking. Yeah, it's it's when you see um, it's when you saw like the, the the highlights of so, the on match of the day and stuff where where the, the counter was on. And like like your saying, Fergus, you had not only like some maximum as you'd expect, but Almiron and but also like Longstaff, Joe Linton. They're all heading forwards, and all you know that that in itself makes it more likely that we'll score. Like committing, yes, it might mean that we're at risk on the counter, but it just means that we we're more likely to score. And that's been an issue that we've had all season. It's just not not attacking and. Yeah, um, you know, coming under too much pressure because we, well, we, we do. It's one of Almiron's best games in a while. He seems yeah. to be back. Well, I think well, Almiron. Go on. Well, Almiron and St. Maximin sort of sum up for us. We do have the personnel to play counter-attacking football, but so much of this season, we've just you could tell the players don't believe anything's going to come of any counter-attack. Whereas now it feels like. Sort of like we were under Rafa, where it was you can play five at the back and play deep, but you know what you're doing when you counter. I feel like we've not had and that. And when for you've a got, while. yeah, and when you've got Murphy and Richie on the flanks, providing that that those those crosses from deep and that support to the to the wingers, it it allows you that stability mixed with um like what's a positive play. But I um, think what we have to say is that at two nil. It honestly, we came out in the second half, and it, it felt like the team thought the job was done because it was against ten men. There was a bit of complacency, and West Ham played really well, and they deserved to get back to two-two. Yeah, we. Uh, it was disappointing that in the second half we became very passive. Um, we do seem to have that that thing that we. I think we had a lot during our really bad run where it's like we mistake being conservative in our play for trying a little less harder. Yeah. That's what it seems to me like. It's like it's, we're not going to, yeah, I think I've said it. We're not, we're defend not gonna, deep, uh, but still we're not gonna mm. Yeah, and have just more energy and you know, it might be partly coaching, but I do think it's the players as well. We're just, we went a bit passive. But what was amazing was as soon as uh, Lingard scored that penalty, and it was 2-2, there was a 
huge change. I mean, we were playing against 10 men, but the attitude changed immediately. Joe Willock was on. Mm. But he got the goal, but just everyone seemed to like... St. Maximum wasn't on the pitch, but the rest were able to like, okay, we are going to batter them until we get a goal. And, and we did so. And, and we saw another example of, of like how much... Richie is becoming like a true cult hero because yeah. when he slung in the cross, again, there's a video of that Willet goal and it just focuses on Richie and he's like leaping in the air to head the ball that he's just crossed. It's, I'm beginning to, because Richie, I, previously I could like, I, I respected him, but it, now he's become one of my firm favourites. Yeah, I was wondering, I think I've maybe said out the last podcast, I was wondering whether he was sort of like done as a Premier League player, but he's pretty good. Um, yeah, I did. I do like it as well that I think a month or so ago, in that situation, if West Ham had got it back to two-two, you, it, I think we would have been trying to hold out for the draw. Yeah, hmm. I think there was a real, there was a real uh, no. We're playing against ten men. We've got a really good chance to get three points and effectively be safe. Now we're going to go and do it. Um, and I and I do think that that those three points, um, I think that that's us safe now. I think maybe we need another like another draw in the next couple just to like hammer the the nail into Fulham's coffin. But honestly, now I'm pretty confident that we're staying up. I still think I can still see the shadow of Allardyce. <laughs> <laughs> you got this thing, bro. But how, like, I don't have the. I don't have the um, the league table in front of me. Um, how many points behind? Doesn't are matter. Fulham and West Brom now. It can be. It math- doesn't matter. It can be mathematically impossible. He'll still find a way. <laughs> Haven't you learned anything from football, Dave? Let's look at the table. Okay, we're currently. I do. I do think we are safe. So we're fifteenth. We're on thirty-five. You say? Yeah. We are eleven. We are eleven points ahead of West Brom. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we are. We are eight points ahead of Fulham. With and, a game, and if home. we're in fifteenth, so. if we're in fifteenth, that means that there are two two sides below us more likely to be relegated than we are. Yeah, I mean, it'd be uh, interesting. I think potentially, and Brighton, Brighton have. I do wonder if we'll start to see a bit more of players like Elliot Anderson now and maybe even see Jamal Lewis return to the team a bit if we feel like we're safe. I wonder if he'll just keep going for the points. be interesting to see where we, what we do. Well, you mentioned something about wanting to, um, like the aim now is to better the points total from last season. I don't know if we're going to get another 10 points between now and the, the end of the season. I think that would be... That would be very surprising because even if you think that you could get six from the last two fixtures, are we going to get four from from the rest? I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. Okay, shall I go in on uh, social media? Let's yeah. have a look. Let's see what we've got. Okay, I'm going to read these fresh. They're mainly about the Super League. Uh, John Tilly says. Any possibility of some rampant speculation on how we do in a big sixless league? Challenging Palace for a Europa Conference maybe place, maybe? I mean... If Current table, you would say ninth. You should do 15 should minus do 15 six. Minus. <laughs> sure. But like going forward, we would have the chance to be the best of the rest. The ultimate scenario for me, it just nothing good ever happens. But this is... <laughs> the ultimate scenario is that they do the Super League it's a complete flop and then the Football League says and the Premier League says okay you've got to start the football pyramid again you start at the bottom like FC United and you've got to work your way back up again and in that little era maybe just maybe we'll win a trophy <laughs> a League Cup <laughs> I don't think we'd have a chance in the Cups because they the big six would be in them. I think oh, yeah. it would have to be the Premier League. <laughs> that would be our best chance. 
but honestly, without without those without those clubs, um, if if the the best were to happen and they all get booted out, we should be looking at finishing in the in the top few few spots. Genuinely, because we'll be one of the biggest fish left in the pond. Yeah, but we'd find a way to fuck it. I mean, really. Oh yeah, when, definitely. Yeah. From when Mike Ashley took over, we would have been one of the big six, and. Mm the mismanagement of the entire club has meant we're incredibly far from that point now. I, I think like Ferguson, whatever the league format, I think we'll find a way to underperform. Yeah. And like Fergus says, nothing good ever happens. Sure. Wow. Rob, Rob Farkerson says, how would you cast the movie trilogy based on the big six? Starting again in the Vanarama as plucky underdogs. Is it a wholesome family comedy affair or something altogether more tawdry? Yeah, I mean... I think firstly we have to say you finally pronounced Rob Farkas' name right. That's the big movie moment for me. I thought I'd just go for it. I was just going to go for it with confidence and see what your reactions are. I mean, if that were to happen, then then their owners would fuck off and hopefully it would have been a failure and that happened because their fans didn't support it so actually they would have ended up they would be lucky underdogs and in the long term it would only serve to enhance their brands they'd probably all become fan-owned clubs and kind of the Mm -hmm. ideal of what we want to be but they'd still have like hundreds of millions of fans because the brand would remain, maybe that'll happen. That maybe that'll happen, and then they will be, they will become bigger than ever before in forty years' time. Once it's all sorted itself out. One Up Gaming says, "I don't think it will change the order if the Super League gets underway. Just they will get more money to strengthen in the league to keep the rest at bay." What's he saying there? Do we understand that? I think that would kind of yeah. change the order, though, because I think it. It just stacks the odds even. Like they've already got more money and should, if they weren't so badly managed or had such confused priorities, some of them. There's no reason why the the big six shouldn't be the top six, but that's not how football works. And this is just chipping away another level of competition. They're trying to run it like companies, really, where you can have a level of certainty about if you invest (laughs) more than anyone else. There's just really so many like meaningless games. It's just like Liverpool versus Real Madrid is a huge fixture because it usually means something. Mm. And it rarely happens. But if it's in the Emirates Cup, then it doesn't mean anything. But I think as well, taking away the threat of relegation, like if you applied that to Premier League, we would have had no stakes in any of our games in the last 10 years. But there is the thing that um, I do like American sports, but they do have a lot of games, except for in the NFL. And uh, so many of those games don't mean anything. Mm. They still get watched because, you know, they'll get watched on TV because people want to follow their teams. And people go along and it's just like a night out. And they'll, let's go, Astros, they don't. But I think we've seen this season what happens to, especially Premier League football, with an increased fixture schedule. The injuries just render like the ultimate product on offer worse. Because the yeah. injuries have made this league this season a much worse thing to watch. And also the the, the standard of the the football in for the teams where they're not going to win. They're not going to get in the top top spots, and they're not likely to be relegated. There's no fans kicking them on. There's no there's no you know there's no um, uh, like support from the from the crowd. And if the the ESL were to go ahead, the people who've been the lifeblood of those clubs aren't going to keep going to watch their team finish you know finish in a in a league that they don't care about. So it'll be tourists and tourists aren't going to put in the same amount of like themselves into the game. So it will just be a sanitized franchised Americanized bullshit league. And it works in the American. 
his we've kind of shown as a, we've shown as a fan base what happens if you do take your fans for granted to such an extent. You end up even with a large fan base, you have to give away tens of thousands of season tickets to fill the stadium. So there isn't this mm. sort of endless supply of fans willing to just do whatever you want. And there may be for brands like Manu and Liverpool. I think there's. I think there's a, a bigger supply, but I don't think necessarily. I don't think Liverpool would have a full stadium. I think they'd have fans protesting at anyone going in outside the stadium. I yeah, I mean they're they're big they're big supporters groups and they're big um, flag groups. They've all spoken out about it, against it rather. And the um, they they had to take all the flags down for their their game against Leeds. They wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, that'll change, that'll change John Henry's mind. You've lost the flags. <laughs> You've lost <laughs> the flags. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think there is a lot that fans could do and to uh, make it difficult for them. And yeah, I also I think, think it would. I think the f- sorry, Dave. It it would only take a couple of the big players. To, to speak out against it and that's that's the ball game because like the, the the tourist fans the, the 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 fans who've chosen their team um because they're successful um they're the ones who who'll sack it off the minute that they're not successful the minute that they're not competing for stuff um I so it'll only take a couple of big yeah. players that I've got a prediction I've got a prediction. Mm-hmm. It's been it's it, it's been very very poorly received. The publicity department at the European Super League right now are having meeting after meeting, working out how they can present themselves and get some people on side. This is a genuine prediction. I reckon at some point in the near future they will announce that they're not going to have VAR in the in the Super League. Possible. I think as a way of trying to like getting some kind of positive uh, reaction from fans. I think there is a way I... for players to wrestle that control of it if they want to. And that is just to have full sex on the pitch so that it can't be broadcast because <laughs> it's explicit. That way they can't <laughs> televise any of the games. And also, they're setting a really good example for the LGBTQ community in football. You know, we're out and proud. Let's go. Yeah. Like, I think sure. I think you're on to something. That was actually, there is actually a precedent for that. That it did happen <laughs> in the. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there we go. There we go. I've, I've one prediction, and I'm, then I'm done. I predict yeah. that they will um, walk this back, and they will. Be convinced to do so by seed, by the U, by UEFA or FIFA ceding more control to them for the Champions League and the Premier League, like broadcasting rights or seeding the groups better or whatever, just to give them a bit more control so that they're, they're kept happy. Because essentially, they're not about. This isn't about a new product. This is about you know ring fencing money for themselves, and that's all they want. So I would love it to just go back to the European Cup knockout yeah. competition. Win this that would be that would that would be so exciting. Yeah. Um, I do worry um, it is going to genuinely go through. I think they will they'll try and just wait out even a year or two. Whether it goes through, will it? And you know, it'll be a success. I don't know. Um, Robert Elliott says the Super League kill the takeover now even if it went ahead would we really want big money people in charge Ashley Ashley is a part of shit but at least he is British shit there's two different sort of points going on there um, I think I think it could potentially kill it because it's another uncertainty about what the value of our club is mm-hmm. yeah it depends on um, the buyers. I don't think it kills the idea of a takeover because I think we become even less attractive to Mike Ashley if it goes through. But I think, like the the Saudi sovereign wealth fund, would only want to buy Newcastle to effectively buy their way into the top six for sports washing. And if you're not in that, if you're not in the biggest league or the biggest competition, it doesn't apply. So I, I mean, think they'll. I think it they'll is, be gone. It is- 
there will be clubs supposedly every season who will earn the right to play in it, but they will be like an underclass, you know. Yeah. I mean, unless yeah, because they have no say in how that league will be run. They get less money, even if they were to win it, they get less money than the original clubs get just for taking part. That's how the pot's divided. So, like, if if Everton got in, they get less money to begin with, they win the fucking thing, they get less money than Barcelona do just for taking part in the group stage. It's It's stacked against everybody other than these 12 teams. Well, Liverpool, who are the heart and soul of British football, Liverpool, <laughs> those, those um, you know, the, the uh, you know, you know, the people's the, club, the people's club, and all that. Uh, Anfield, the home of football, is where we're going to be going on Saturday. Um, it would be fun if there were fans in, but um, yes, our next game is against them at Anfield. It'll be interesting to see. How did they do against Leeds tonight? Yeah, what is this? They were winning. They were winning. What was the final score? Late Leeds equaliser denies Liverpool win. Good. So, um, yes. I sort of think as well, are they... Because the worry we're coming up against Liverpool now is they're chasing top four. Is that a con- like not as a joke? Is that genuinely a concern to them now? Yeah, it's valid. Well, it's all a and- little bit up in the air, isn't it? But um, yes, I suppose that could affect game. They're definitely not on a great run of form. They won't have flags in the ground. They'll That's probably gonna- have protests. That's- they'll probably have protests outside. Club yeah. will probably be under quite a lot of pressure because he's going to have more uh, questions through the week in the media that he's going to have to answer about this not saying he's to blame for anything but you know maybe by then they'll have done a do you remember the Simpsons where they had a whole new backstory for Principal Skinner and he had a different name and the end of the episode they just decided to pretend that hadn't happened is how they finished it maybe they'll just do that (laughs) Everyone just has to sign up for this didn't happen. And anyone who thinks it did actually has remembered it wrong. Yeah, maybe just gaslight everyone. Yeah. Um, I think Fergus has frozen a bit there. It'll be nice to hear hear real fans for a game, even if they are screaming abuse from the car park outside. And Liverpool well, have been pretty bad at Anfield lately. So it might not be the worst time to play them. Yeah. Yeah, and where in the Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Yes. We heard nothing of what you said before. You just froze. We weren't sure right. if that was a dignified silence question? about the Super League. Yes, that was my minute side. That was my minute side. Wow. <laughs> um, no. What are your predictions for the game on Saturday? I'm not confident. Paul? I'd, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Fergus has broken away into his own exclusive internet. It runs at a different time. I reckon we'll lose 2-0. What do you reckon, Paul? I think 2-2. Ooh. Maybe a dead I'd have that on a slice of pie. Fergus, what's your prediction? (laughs) I think we'll get (laughs) 1-1. Say maximum equaliser. I like that Fergus thinks the way to get the internet to work is just to shout a bit. It's like like an English person on holiday. <laughs> Slower and louder. <laughs> My internet's down. Can I get egg and chips? <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. All I can see now is the shiny top of his head. <laughs> yeah, frozen. Um, 
So no one's predicted a loss. That's sort of novel in its own right. I think it's just because of the, the last three results. We, we fancy ourselves in a bit of form and we want to stick one yeah. to these upstarts who think they're better than the rest of us. It's very I mean, they rare. are really it's very rare we get to go into a game with the moral high ground over who owns us. I think that's going to be quite yeah. nice. Sorry, it's just all we can see on Ferguson's video is like him coming in and out, freezing, and then a breakdown. He's crying at the minute. He's just crying. But um, I think we should say... You finish it. Finish the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> don't, be like, don't be like that, Fergus. Don't don't you be like that. No, you guys run well, like I'm <laughs> done with it. <this. laughs> Forming yeah. a breakaway. All right then, mate. <laughs> well, yeah. Not thank Graham. <laughs> what Jones. a calamitous end. No. Come yeah. on, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Graham Jones. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.